check out the Drink and Farm merch shop. We keep the shop up to date with new and fresh items. And while you're there, be sure to check out the shirt of the month. Go to drinkandfarm.com slash shop and maybe snag a few items you've been eyeing for a while now. Shopping with us is an excellent way to support the podcast and get something new for yourself at the same time. Welcome to We Drink and We Farm Things. This is the farm comedy podcast that is an adult happy hour for the farming community. We drink adult beverages, talk about the ups and downs of farming things, and give zero clucks about not having the perfect farm life. We keep it real with you and share the mistakes we've made and what we've learned so you can feel less alone in this farm thing. We drink things, we farm things, we drink and farm things. Oh, hey there, Sam. Oh, hey there, Bev. What you drinking this morning? So I have something fun and special that I brought back from Kings Island. Ooh. And... It is a Sonder Brewing Kings Island Blue Ice Cream Ale. Ugh. Does that taste as magical as it sounds? So surprisingly enough, it actually does. (laughs) Uh, Tell me more. Tell me more. (laughs) So they nailed it. Like it has that blue ice cream flavor, which is just like a blue raspberry like type of flavor. Then it's also an ale. So it's not like hoppy and it's not like bitter or anything like that. So it was actually really good. It comes in kind of a bigger can. See, it's a 16 ounce can. So it's kind of a lot in one sitting of like a sweeter type of beer like this. But it's really good. And I love the can art of the Kings Island blue ice cream because it's something we look forward to every year. So I like it. So what are you drinking over there? This morning... Because we are recording in a morning, so that's why I said this morning. (laughs) (laughs) I am sticking to coffee. Yay! Yay! And it is Death Wish Coffee. Mmm. Yes. One of my favorites. You should try it if you haven't already, everyone listening, if you're a coffee fan. (laughs) Just, you know, take it a little easy the first time you have it. Because the first time I had it... I cleaned out half the goat pen by myself really fast. (laughs) Nice. (laughs) Now I'm a little more used to it. (laughs) So this is the coffee you want if you're trying to get a ton of stuff done. Yes. Nice. Yep. I like it. Or if you're really tired. Our drink peep this episode is our friend Natalie Quist, and she is at Cloud Lover Fiber over on the Instagram. So cheers, lady. Cheers. All right, so welcome to the dive bar. Hooray! Yay! What are we talking about today at this dive bar? So today we're going to talk about some alternatives to canning because obviously you've worked really hard in your garden and the idea of wasting it doesn't feel very good on the inside. But canning is a lot of work to Mm -hmm. do during this busy season and not everybody loves canning. Like, I don't love canning. I totally canned some stuff the other day, though, because we're overflowing with peaches. So I made some bourbon Mm. peach jam, and it's really good. (laughs) Yummy. But I like small batch canned, so it felt Mm -hmm. manageable. And I'll end up canning just a handful of more things, mostly fruit type of things, because I don't have a pressure canner. But today, we thought we'd talk about some alternatives to those canning you know, options, because obviously, like, you know, we don't all want to do that. And there are other ways to save your harvest. So let's dive into them. Yes, I love it. And the first part we're going to cover today is something that I haven't done yet. So I'm interested to learn more. 
and this might push me over the edge to buy what I need to do this. So let's start with the least labor intensive way to preserve, at least in our opinion, which is dehydrating. Yes, I love dehydrating. It's one of my favorite ways to preserve food, actually. And a couple of things about why dehydration works so or and what dehydration is. So dehydration is removing moisture from your foods and drying them out, essentially. And the way that it works is water in food is also food for bacteria and fungus, which is what rots your food, like when you leave it out on the counter and whatnot. So by dehydrating, you take away the food source for those organisms to thrive, which basically means that your food can live on in its dried state for at least a year or until moisture hits it or it turns to dust because that could happen eventually also. (laughs) (laughs) And bacteria and fungus need air to multiply as well. So when you dry the outside of a food, but the inside still stays like a little pliable, that helps cut down on the replication of bacteria also. So that's why you can get away with like drying jerky and fruit and stuff to that like leathery type of consistency. And the best way for dehydration to work is by having your food cut thin and or small so that the drying process can reach all of the parts of the food that it needs to within the amount of time that it needs to so that bacteria doesn't have time to multiply. So it sounds kind of complicated, but it's not. All right. So... What is next? Because that was super good information because I was like, is there like a limit on what you can dehydrate? And it sounds like not really, but maybe. Well, you can dehydrate just about anything like meat, vegetables, fruits. I dehydrate so many things here. We make a lot of jerkies. We like season it a lot with like salt and sugar and stuff. So salt Mm. and sugar are also like big preserving agents as Mm -hmm. well. (laughs) So those help. Another form of dehydrating is smoking as well. So you could like smoke anything that you wanted to and that would help preserve it also. But yeah, you can dehydrate just about anything because it can all be rehydrated later for use, which is super cool. And in fact, dehydration was something that was utilized by indigenous people as a means for to preserve their food and sustain them through winter. And one of the reasons why they chose this method is because, like, obviously the sun is a great Mm. dehydrator, so it's easily accessible if they lived in an area that got reasonable sunlight. But also dehydration makes your food smaller and lighter, so you can store it for long-term storage easier. Like, you know, cans of green beans take up so much space, Mm -hmm. but dried green beans take up, like, almost nothing compared to their canned counterpart. So that's one of the reasons why dehydration was so popular. It's accessible and available. And also it makes it lighter for transport. So if they were moving during certain seasons, it was easy to take the harvest with them. So sun drying was their preferred method. And we can use that ancient knowledge to store food today without having any special equipment, which is one of the reasons why we wanted to point out sun drying for dehydration, because literally anybody can do it with whatever you have. (laughs) 
So to start, you just cut up your fruits and veggies into small, thin pieces, usually about the size that you want to eat them. So like think bite-sized. Place them on a wire rack, something with good airflow. And you want to sun-dry your foods on clear, sunny days with lower humidity and a slight breeze, which, depending on where you live, that might be a tall order. So you can dehydrate without the sun in your basement or barn. Just put a fan set on low to keep some air circulation, and it'll dehydrate the same. It just won't be sun-dried. You know, you've heard, like, sun-dried tomatoes. Well, they'll just be dried tomatoes, but there won't be, like, a big difference in them. (laughs) Your tomatoes were not touched by the sun. (laughs) They were basement tomatoes. (laughs) Basement barn tomatoes. (laughs) Not nearly as catchy. For shame. If you do decide to dry outside, though, in the sun to avoid morning dew, because morning dew will ruin all of your hard dehydration work, you want to be sure and bring your sun drying racks in in the evenings before Mm. the dew sets. So like at my place, we need to bring them in before like 7 p.m. Otherwise, everything's all wet again and Mm -hmm. you just are repeating the cycle over and over again and nothing gets dried. (laughs) One of the nice things about dehydration, though, is if you want to get all fancy about it, you can buy a counter dehydrator and there's tons of options for them. I'll link in the show notes to the dehydrator that I use. I actually use a really nice one. It was a birthday gift for my parents and it's running all the time right now because I'm currently drying calendula flowers because I'm going to make some lotion this winter out of them. Fancy. And see how that goes. Like I don't think I'm suddenly going to become like a lotion shop but I thought it would be fun to make my own calendula lotion because in the winter it's dry Mm -hmm. and my skin needs moisture (laughs) well that might be a cool thing for your kids to see too so oh yeah yeah because like to them they're just flowers but when I like explain to them that they have like antimicrobial properties and like they're also like calming and have like these oils and stuff in them yeah So you can have a counter dehydrator. Mine has like 10 racks in it. You can set the temperature. You can set a timer. There's also other dehydrators out there that don't have the temperature or timer, but they have the fan in them so that the air keeps running and they heat up, you know, to a very specific temperature. And those work great too. With dehydrating, you can really do whatever you have the equipment for. And experiments in ways to like test to see like, you know, what makes your food last longer, what makes your food taste better or whatever. So you can really do it to your liking. And I like to eat dehydrated foods dry. So like kale chips or dried fruit, those are awesome just to like have as a snack on hand. Or I rehydrate things and use them by throwing them straight into like a cooking pot for chili or soup with some sort of liquid base so they rehydrate. That works really well too. So things like squash, green beans, tomatoes. Oh my gosh, I've dehydrated so many things. Kale. You can dehydrate kale and throw it in (laughs) soup also if you don't want to use it for kale chips. Like chard. I mean, like you name it, you can dehydrate it. Well, I don't know if I'd dehydrate lettuce, but I suppose someone out there could. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And I also like to rehydrate herbs and stuff like in soups and stews and chilies, but also herbs and cucumbers are really fun to rehydrate in vinegar and oil to use in winter salads. So 
like around here, mm. I can keep kale until like December or January. So I can make e- an easy salad with just like chopped kale that's been soaked in oil and vinegar to kind of soften it up a little bit. But oil and vinegar that has rehydrated cucumbers and herbs and that kind of makes it a more exciting salad. <laughs> mm-hmm. Very cool. We are so excited that Grubbly Farms has a starter grower feed. They just introduced Grubbly Little Packs for chicks aged 0 to 20 weeks. Grubbly Farms is thrilled to introduce the first ever starter grower feed that mimics a chicken's natural diet using insects and plants. Unlike other feeds, every peck is purposefully packed with sustainably grown grub protein and farm fresh ingredients that chickens naturally love. For our 2021 chicks, we will be feeding our little ones the way nature intended with grubs, plants, vitamins, minerals, and probiotics to help them grow strong, healthy, and happy. And you can too. This feed is non-medicated, corn-free, soy-free, and fish-free. And it's non-GMO. Get this delivered to your door just in time for your new flock members. Go to grublyfarms.com and use code FARM15 to get 15% off your first order. Right, so the second method we'll be discussing today is freezing. Oh, and I'm so excited about this one because I have a really fun story to share at the beginning of this one. And when I saw this, I was like, oh my gosh, this makes so much sense. So a fun fact, and a fun fact that you probably don't know, we flash freeze fresh foods today because a man from Brooklyn named Clarence Birdseye lived temporarily in a place called Labrado, Canada, and he observed the indigenous Inuit catching their fish and immediately flash freezing it in frigid air. And he was like, oh, hey, we could do that for other foods. (laughs) (laughs) Ta-da! Yeah, Clarence Birdseye is the guy that started Birdseye Vegetables. You probably still see them like on your grocery store shelves today. Yeah, I buy those sometimes. (laughs) Yeah, I do too. And the reason why flash freezing is such a big deal, it's because when you quickly freeze fresh foods at their peak, they taste fresher when you cook them later. At the time that... Clarence observed this and made this change to the way that Americans froze their food. Commercially frozen food had been available for half a century, but it was unpopular with consumers because it lost its flavor and texture when it was thawed, essentially as being frozen too slowly, which caused large ice crystals to form. And that didn't make the food taste good because its cellular structure had broken down. So it didn't taste good and it didn't have a good mouthfeel. It was like all mushy and yucky (laughs) vegetables. Mouthfeel matters. Yes. (laughs) I feel like that there's a coffee mug there or something. (laughs) Right? (laughs) There is. We talk about mouthfeel a lot on this podcast. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And the good news is you can totally flash freeze at home as well. And it's something that I do with a lot of vegetables here also because I've got a lot of freezer space. So to flash freeze at home, you just wash and prep your harvest the way that you would if you were prepping it to eat it. So you cut off the ends, you dice it into whatever size you want to use it at, and then let it dry on the counter, like on kitchen towels, or you can pat it dry with paper towels. You basically want to remove as much moisture from it as possible. Remember the talk earlier about how moisture is the enemy of fresh food. 
Then once you've got it to a proper dried level, you spread it out on a baking sheet. So you don't want the pieces touching. You want them to all have their individual space. They like personal bubbles around themselves. (laughs) And pop them into the freezer for about an hour or until each piece has frozen. And once your tray of veggies or fruit is frozen, just, you know, you can like crack the pan. I kind of like twist it and they all pop off like you would ice cubes and then put them into freezer bags and pop them in the freezer. And the reason why this works so well is since each piece is individually frozen, when you go to use it, you don't have to unthaw a whole bag and it won't be like a big, mushy, like watery mess. You just open the bag, grab a handful of whatever it is you froze, reseal it so that it doesn't get freezer burn, and then you can use it up that way. And each piece, like it pulls apart really easily because they're all individual doesn't make a mess you don't have to use a whole gallon bag of green beans at a time (laughs) (laughs) yeah (laughs) which is so nice and it also keeps the moisture content down this way which helps keep the cellular integrity of the food as best that it can which means that your food will taste better this way and you can do this with like anything I, i use on kale chard berries peaches apples green beans corn and i don't parboil anything before freezing some stuff you're supposed to parboil I don't because if I'm going to bust out the pans and pots and boiling water, I almost might as well can. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So, and I haven't found it to be a really big deal. I'm sure that there's some things that are better when you parboil them. So you can use that like to your discretion or to your personal taste and preference. There is one thing that I do parboil before freezing and that's the corn. And I wish I could tell you why I do corn. It's just, it's the way I've always done it. So I've been nervous to deviate from it. (laughs) That's fair. (laughs) Yeah. And so that's it. Those are two awesome ways that you can preserve your harvest that don't take a lot of labor on your part, save your food for at least a year. And, you know, you can do that. And so you've got some of your summer harvest in the wintertime without having to be a master canner. Yeah, hope that was super helpful. I feel like we just packed a lot of information in less than 20 minutes, mm-hmm. which is the point of these. It really is. And, you know, I realized one thing I forgot to mention about dehydration. I always put one of those food safe silica packs in my jars of dehydrated foods. So we'll link to those in the show notes also so that you can check those out if you're going to do some dehydrating, whether it's sun drying or using a dehydrator. And we did have some references for this episode, and we will have links to those in the show notes for you as well, so you can go check those out. All right, so just a few quick things before we wrap up here. Make sure you hit that subscribe button, or whatever it's called these days, and download the episode when you listen, because this helps more people like you find our podcast. And leave us a review over on Apple Podcasts, because you will be entered into a monthly drawing to win an awesome coffee mug. And trust me, you want it. Yes, you do. And while you're listening to this, if you're on Instagram and feel like, hey, this is really useful information, let me show my friends. Take a screenshot of today's episode, tag at Drink and Farm, share it in your stories, and then we're going to send you a promo code just for that episode that'll give you a percentage off in our shop, which is something you probably want because our July shirt of the month I mean, it's almost the end of July and it's a super cute shirt and you need to go look at it if you haven't already because you're probably going to want it. Yeah, you don't want to miss it. That's for sure. No. (laughs) So that's it, guys. Thanks for joining us at the dive bar. And until next time. Drink 
farm and give zero clucks. <laughs> Bye, guys. Bye. We drink things. We farm things. We drink and farm If you're wanting to responsibly start a backyard flock or expand your existing barnyard party, we highly recommend checking out My Pet Chicken. You can order day-old chicks and waterfowl, chicken supplies, hatching eggs, and there's a wealth of information on their website. I love how I can mix and match all the breeds with no per-breed minimum. I totally got 18 different breeds one time, and they all arrived happy and healthy. So go to mypetchicken.com slash drinkandfarm to put in your chick, duckling, or gosling order. That link lets them know that we sent you, and it's a great way to support our podcast and fulfill all of your poultry addiction needs.